Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at cclv.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now let's hear a message from God's Word. So blessings and cursings, and this was something that Moses commanded the children of Israel along with the elders, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10. Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God has given you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones, whitewash them with lime, You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over that you may enter the land which the Lord your God has given you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. Therefore, it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebel you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime, And there you shall build an altar to the Lord, an altar of stone. You shall not use iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God. Offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. And Moses and the priests and the Levites spoke to all Israel, Take heed to listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore, you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God, observe his commandments, his statutes, which I command you today. And a key verse in these first ten verses and in this chapter to me is verse 8. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. And Father, be with us as we look into your word this evening. I pray, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, though we are reading about the preparation of Israel going into the promised land and the things that they were to do once they arrived that took place so many years ago, and we can read about the actual ceremony in the Bible in Joshua chapter 8. But I pray, Lord, in the process of reading these words, Lord, that have been plainly written for us, that we would learn your truths, that we might apply your truths to our hearts, to our lives. This night we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we have Moses, the elders of Israel, the priests all mentioned in this passage, uh, standing before the children of Israel to encourage them to do these things as they went into the promised land. The ceremony itself It's not laid out in the detail that we get it here. It's only um, recognized in Joshua 8, verses 30 through 35. So if you want the detail of what they were supposed to do, you learn it here in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. But they're actually taking and doing what the Lord commanded them to do. This took place after the victory of the Battle of Jericho, after the failed victory of the battle at Ai, and then uh, the victory that followed once they 
were able to walk in obedience to the Lord there at Ai. It was after these things, after the Gemonites came and deceived the children of Israel, saying that they were from a far country and they dressed themselves down, looked like they had traveled for months when they were just near neighbors, but they deceived Israel and Israel fell for the trap. It was after these things took place that they went up to the mountain, Mount Ebel on the one side and Mount Grism on the other, which will be mentioned in this chapter as well. And they began to write these things down. It was going to be the blessings and the cursings that were to come to the children of Israel. But I want us to notice that the Lord said, write them down, verse 8, very plainly, all the words of this law. And so half the tribes of Israel were to remain on Mount Ebel to curse the people. The other traps were to go, tribes were to go up on Mount Grism to bless the people. And these became known as the mountains of blessing and cursing. And this passage is though, it teaches us that God was not trying to hide his word from the children of Israel. He was commanding them to write it down very plainly that all people could read it. Now, one of the exciting things that has recently happened in Israel, not the war that's going on there right now, but prior to this last year in early 2022, a research team led by the scholars from the Associates for Biblical Research announced that they discovered a lead tablet on Mount Ebel. Now, you go into the discovery, this tablet is only an inch square. And so one inch, like the tip of my finger to the first little joint, an inch square made of lead, and it was folded over, but it was written on, and they believed they were able to, with x-ray, to decipher the earliest known inscription by several hundred years of any other writing. And so they're almost like this argument that... Um, the Hebrew people didn't have a written language up to this point, except everywhere in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses constantly being repeated by God to write these things down. So it's hard to write something down if you don't have the skills to write or a written language to write it in. But they found this lead tablet written on both sides, on the inside and out, and being able to x-ray the tablet, they deciphered these words from the tablet. You are cursed by the God, YHW, cursed. You will die, cursed, cursed. You will surely die. Cursed you are by YHW, cursed. So the mountain of cursing, Mount Ebel, and they found this little tablet that had one of these curses. And they think, well, who even talks that way? Cursed, cursed you are. Well, when we are, were in Israel uh, visiting several years ago now, it was kind of funny to us from America that there was a lot of areas in Israel that were fenced off and they had the signs on there saying, it is forbidden that you come into this area, forbidden. And it's like, we just have no trespassing around here. But in Israel, it is forbidden. You do not go into those areas. 
they didn't maybe they said it in Hebrew and went on from there but for the English people it was forbidden so I would say even in Israel they still talk in these ways that might seem odd to us but the interesting thing is that not only did it speak about the curses but also we have the tetetragramnation of God the YHWH here we have the YHW and so we have a partial accounting of those four letters that we have that represent the name of God in the Bible so that's pretty cool write it down make it plain and who knows some 3400 years later somebody will be digging around on one of these mountains and find some of the things that you have written there this wasn't the only time that God commanded Israel to write things to make it plain. Habakkuk was also commanded in Habakkuk 2.2 to write the vision to make it plain, to prepare future generations to wait, not only upon the God's coming judgment upon Babylon at that time, but also for God's future restoration of Israel. And we've been blessed to have the Word of God plainly given to us through 40 different authors over a span of some 1,400 to 2,000 years writing the message of the Word of God for us that we can have it. And we know that the message itself that's been given to us as the Word of God, that those who look into it, those seek it, well, as Jesus said in John 5:39, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you may that you have life but these are those that testify of me these are they that testify of me the Word of God testifying of Jesus and those who are faithful to look into the plainly written Word of God that's been given to us passed on to us by generations before us we are now able to understand that they point to Jesus so the curses that they were to pronounce from Mount Ebel, verses 11 through 13, it says, Moses commanded the people on that same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these shall stand on the Mount Ebel to curse, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zubalan, Dan, and Naphtali. So one of the first things, here we have the listing of the 12 sons of Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel, except it's not the normal listing of the 12 tribes. We have two names included that normally aren't found in the listing of the 12. One is the tribe of Levi, because God claimed the tribe of Levi as his own in Numbers 3, verses 11 through 13. They became the priestly line. And those who served at the temple or tabernacle of the Lord, doing the work of the Lord, they also became teachers in the land of Israel. And that tribe was scattered throughout the nation of Israel. So there were 12 tribes named. Levi normally isn't named among the 12 tribes. Another name that's included here that normally isn't in the accounting of the 12 tribes is Joseph. This is because when Jacob was blessing the two sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. He claimed Joseph's sons as his own, saying, They shall be as my sons, Reuben and Simeon, and so forth. 
And he told Joseph, his son, any sons that you have after these two, they're yours, but these two are mine. And that's in Genesis that we find that in the blessings in the later chapters. I believe it's chapter 49, verses 5 and 6. And then we have another listing in the ceiling of the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7, 1 through 8 in Verse 8, Joseph is named among the tribes once again, while in that listing, Dan and Ephraim are missing. And so we find that the listing of the tribes, they, they don't actually list them out. You can't often find them all listed in order. Sometimes, um, like when the gifts were given for the tabernacle, uh, they might take 8 to 10 verses to tell that, you know, Ephraim brought these gifts. They're all the same gifts, but they'd move on then to the next one. So rarely do we see them all listed out. But if they were all listed out, the sons of Jacob in order from oldest to youngest would be Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zubalin, Joseph, and Benjamin. However, when referring to the 12 tribes, Levi and Joseph are, are not considered in that normal listing, while Ephraim and Manasseh are. But here, that's just one of the, it's like, hey, they named Levi, they named Joseph. Normally, they don't do that. That stood out to me. Just one of those things that catches my attention as I'm going through the Word of God. As we go through these 12 curses, they were pronounced from Mount Ebel. Once Israel settled into the promised land, the children of Israel, after every single curse, was to respond with a resounding amen. So they were just to agree. And the Levites were to speak with a loud voice from the mountain to pronounce these 12 curses. And the first was this in verse 15. Cursed is the one who makes a carved and molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So that's going to be the response every single time. I won't have to read that every single time. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. They're going to say that part 12 times, but they're going to change the curses each time. What we're going to notice about chapters 27 and 28, 27 is dealing largely with the individuals. So cursed is the one within the nation of Israel, while 28 deals with the nation at large. And so the blessings and many cursings in chapter 28 um, dealing with the nation at large. Here, it's dealing with the individuals within the nation. So no one, and another thing we notice, and I tried to connect the ones that I could, some far fall outside of it, but like this one, this is the second commandment of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no carved or molded images. And so this is commandment, Number two, that's found in Exodus 20, verse 4, no public or secret carved molded image. But speaking to the individuals here, no one is to have these private little gods in their homes, 
the work of the craftsmen set up in a secret place to worship false gods. Second, verse 16, Cursed is the one who treats his father and his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say amen. No contempt against your parents. The fifth commandment, Exodus 12:20, Honor your father and mother, and that your days may be long in the land which I am giving you. So, here we have another one of the commandments just worded in a different way. Don't disrespect your parents, mom and dad. Number three, verse 17, curses the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. Now, this one could play into the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. Why in the world are you moving your neighbor's landmark? Unless either you're trying to do something to harm him or you're jealous about the property that it has, or you just want a bit of that property for yourself, and so you're uh, making your land a little larger and his a little smaller. So this could fall under the 10th commandment. Do not remove or relocate your neighbor's landmark. It's also mentioned in Deuteronomy 19:14, Proverbs 22:28, Proverbs 23, verses 10 and 11. Apparently, God had to repeat it several times. Don't mess with your neighbor's land. Just leave it alone. Let them have what the Lord has blessed them with. Number four, verse 18. Curse is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road. So, number four, don't be cruel to the blind. It could be uh, the ninth commandment playing into this, Exodus 20. 19, and uh, that one talking about um, coming against your neighbor in a sense of, I believe it's, to me in my head, I'm thinking of the word perjury, but I'm going to look it up to get it right. I'm getting there. A couple more turns. Here we are. Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So, um, we find that in um, a witness situation, but also here they're causing the blind to wander off the road. They're, in a sense, misdirecting them. They're being cruel to them. And they were warned in Leviticus 19.14, Proverbs 28.10, again about this. Don't be cruel to those who are less fortunate than you. Um, we should help, but we should not... Uh, take and try to be cruel to those who are less fortunate, have physical disabilities such as blindness. Number five, cursed is the one who perverts justice to the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow. And you'll find this in Scripture often, God talking about the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow. In fact, James would talk about uh, the perfect religion is is bringing justice and showing mercy to those who have need like this in this situation. And again, God would comment in Exodus 22, 21 and 24, Exodus 23, verse 2, verses 8 and 9, about this same group, the stranger, the fatherless, the widows. God was concerned for them. So as the children of Israel, they were to be concerned, not to pervert justice due to those who are less fortunate than them. 
Number six, verse 20. Curse is the one who lies with his father's wife because she is, he has uncovered his father's bed. And all the people should say amen. So no, and here we have several of these, no sexual relations with your father's wife. So she's not your mother, but your father maybe having more than one wife in their situation or uh, remarried. You're to have nothing to do with her to uncover your father's bed in the sense she belongs to your father and you're not to expose or lie with her. And that is do not commit adultery. Commandment number seven, Exodus 20:14. Also mention specifically this, your father's wife, Leviticus 18, 8, 20, 11, Deuteronomy 22, 30. So, Again, once again, we find it repeated several times in the Bible. Listen up. These are the things you are not to do. Number seven, curse is the one who lies with any kind of animal. So no sexual relations with an animal or bestiality. And again, Exodus 22:19, Leviticus 18:23, Leviticus 20:17 specifically saying this is forbidden. If we go in Israel today, this is forbidden. Number eight, verse 22, curses the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. So no sexual relations with a sister, incest, the seventh commandment, once again, fornication, adultery, incest, all included in this. But Leviticus 18, 9, and 2017 addressing this as well. And, uh, and my first thought was, wait a minute, sister, his actual sister or half-sister? Remember, Abraham said, well, she's kind of my sister because we have the same father but not the same mother. And this to me is just saying, yeah, it doesn't matter whether the daughter of your father or the daughter of your mother yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Stay away, which is a good thing, which many are failing. I was going to look up a, I forgot. I wrote it in my notes. I think I went to lunch and I forgot totally about it. But years ago, I read a Dear Abby letter of a brother and sister who were doing just this. And Dear Abby laid into that person because the person was basically saying, nobody's being harmed by this. You know, it's not hurting anyone. And it's like, well, actually it is. And she laid into them. I wanted to look that up. I forgot to do it. Maybe you can search it out. But it was an interesting Dear Abby for sure. Number nine, verse 23. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. Again, adultery mentioned in this case, but also in Leviticus 20:14. And that one, 2014, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's saying that you shall not take the mother and the daughter as your wives, like have both of them. And so if you've taken the, the daughter, then technically the mother is your mother-in-law. And yeah, the Bible says, yeah, we shouldn't do that. That's one of those things. Cursed is number 10. Curse is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. And all the people would say, Amen. So this is a thou shall not kill, the sixth commandment, Exodus 20:13. And uh, the New King James used the word attacks. 
um, the King James Bible uses the word smites or smiteth, but the New English translation simply says killed. So you take the Hebrew in this, and you know if you read it from the New King James, it's like you shouldn't secretly attack someone, but this is taken all the way to that place of murder. And maybe we miss that in the New King James. Smiteth in the King James wouldn't help me on that one either. To me, it's like smacking somebody. Don't smack your neighbor in private. Do it in public if you're going to do it. If you're going to slap me, slap me in public. No, don't. <laughs> Anyways, number 11, verse 25. Curse is the one that takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. So no hit man. Again, thou shalt not kill, Exodus 20:13. They take a bribe, and we think this of uh, false testimony that causes someone to be put to death. Obviously something we are not to do. And number 12, cursed is the one, verse 26, who does not confirm all the words of this law. So number 12 is basically, all right, all of the above. Cursed of you, if you don't keep all the 11 that is above, if you don't confirm the word of God. So all 12 of these curses were directed toward individuals. Cursed is the one, it says, and this speaks about the individual's responsibility of each Israeli and the negative impact that it can not only have upon their own lives, but the lives of their family and in their society as well. I think in our own nation we fail in this regard because we have so many who are not individually taking responsibility for themselves. They have that attitude of it's not hurting anyone. Well, it's hurting our whole society. Look at our society right now. Um, we are hurting, and largely because we have... Many people, like in the book of Judges, who go about doing what is right in their own eyes and not taking heed to the word of God. If we strive to live in accordance to the word of God, our society would be much different. I think I grew up in a society that was closer to that. Not perfect, but closer to that. And uh, we see... I think the impact of all, a lot of the things that we ha see happening in our society today is because we've taken God out of our schools, we've taken prayer out of our schools, we've refrained from using the name of Jesus uh, unless it's a cuss word, and uh, everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And there's no personal accountability, and these things are seen as an abomination before the Lord. So the cursed are. Now we begin chapter 28, and a key verse there is verse 58 for me. It says, If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. So that's a key because here we have just the glorious and awesome name, uh, Yahweh Elohim, uh, given to us here in this passage, the Lord your God. Now, as I said, chapter 28 is the longest chapter in the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, I believe it has 63 verses in it. 
68 verses in it. I knew it was in the 60s. Uh, it's been a long day of study for this chapter. But the longest, and in here there are both blessings and cursings, mostly uh, cursings, but some blessings that are found here at the very beginning. And what happens at the very beginning with the blessings, it's kind of a reversal of the cursings that we find in chapter 27. So it's almost as what God said not to do there, we find the benefit of following the things that you are to do on the other side, not in every single circumstance, but many of the 12 are somewhat reversed and given to us at the beginning of chapter 28. He promised if they would obey his commandments that he would bless and multiply them in the land. Otherwise, on the other hand, if they disobeyed his commandments, then the curses would overtake them. And sadly, they would ultimately fall into captivity, which is what we know happened in Israel. Israel has spent 430 years in the land of Egypt where many gods were worshipped. Gods of war and fertility and productivity were always at the top of the list of these pagan gods that these pagan nations would worship. They were always worried about fertility and productivity. They almost were hand in hand, but when I speak of fertility, I'm thinking of the people multiplying and their animal and livestock multiplying. The productivity had a lot to do in an aquarium aquarium society, that of the crops and the trees and the fruit trees um, being bountiful for them. And then war, a matter of being able to defend themselves and to have protection. They would pray to the gods of word, war. The land of Canaan was not much different than Egypt, though they had different names for their gods. Basically, they were concerned with protection or war, fertility and productivity of their people and of their land. And the blessings and cursings of Deuteronomy 28 speak about walking in the ways of Yahweh that bring God's great blessing upon their people. But unlike the other nations whose sole goal was to appease their gods, here Yahweh desired to have a relationship with his chosen people. He wanted to bless them abundantly, to have a relationship with them. Now just notice back in 27, prior to going into the 12 curses, that when they went up on this mountain, they were to set up this altar that was not used Uh, any chisel on it. It was just how God made the stones. That's how they were to make the altar. But the Lord said that they were to have burnt offerings upon the altar, peace offerings, that they were to rejoice and eat before the Lord. God wanted to have fellowship with his people. And here we find in verses 1 through 9, as we begin this chapter, the word of God tells us, and I'll interject Just a couple of things. What I'm going to do is highlight what I see, those three things that I pointed out, um, gods of war or protection, fertility or productivity. I'll just point them out as we read through here, and it'll just be a quick pause between the verses. But in verse 1, it says, It shall come to pass that if you diligently 
obey the voice of the Lord your God, to be careful, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God has set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. <laughs> In that, you think of somebody being overtaken, you think of, uh, it just made me quickly think of running and somebody, you know, um, you're running a race and you're trying to stay in the lead, but somebody's faster than you coming up behind. And, and here God said, if you obey me, these blessings are going to come upon you so fast. They're just, Lord, I can't keep up with you. All these blessings are coming upon me. Yeah, that's what my mind goes to on that. They're going to overtake you because you obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. So verse 3, blessed are you. You shall be in the city, and blessed you shall be in the country. So rest from your enemies. Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. So there we have both fertility and productivity in the land. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. So again, provision, productivity in the land. Verse 6, blessed shall be... When you come in and bless you will be when you go out. So once again, that, that term of coming in and going out speaks about warfare. So you're going to have um, God with you in the battle as you go and when you come back. So the rest from the enemy. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you, to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all in which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is given you. So again, the blessing, the productivity there in the land. And the Lord, verse 9, will establish you as his holy people to himself, just as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments which the Lord your God has given you and walk in his ways. So Israel... And here's the difference uh, between the church age and the Old Testament time in the days of Israel is that they had a covenant relationship with God. And so the blessings of God were dependent upon their ability to walk in obedience to the ways of God. Ultimately, they would fail. God's blessing, uh, they oftentimes overtook Israel because in many ways Israel often didn't deserve the blessings that the Lord poured out upon them just as we often do not deserve the blessings that may come our way. That's because of God's grace and mercy. It is seen in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, but in the New Testament it is seen through the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ upon the cross and so we don't have a conditional covenant with the Lord, but we come into a relationship with God based upon the work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave. So in that sense, we have a different relationship that is not built upon our ability to keep God's law and to walk in his way, but it's totally built upon God's Ability, Jesus Christ's ability to do the work for us that we could not possibly do. 
But we are in the New Testament. The Lord tells us that in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, he says, don't worry about what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall well wear. All these things the Gentiles seek. This is what they do in life. They're seeking after these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you have the need of all these things. Here's what we are to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We are to be a people who are seeking first the kingdom of God in our lives, trying to walk in the ways of Christ. In verse 10 it says, Then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Now this would be that God would bless, so bless Israel with such great blessing and ability and protection, uh, the fertility, uh, large families, large uh, crops and animals and great abundance and wealth that the rest of the earth would see it and they would know that there was something different that they called upon the name of the Lord but it would bring fear to them so 11 through 14 it says the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body in the increase of your livestock in the produce of your ground in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open to you the good treasures, the heavens, to give the rain in your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And such would be the increase of God's wealth that it says in verse 12, You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. In verse 13, And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail, and you shall be above, but not beneath. But only if they were faithful to walk in obedience to the Lord God. Because in verse 14, 13, it continues by saying, If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, in verse 14, you shall not turn aside from any of these words, which I have commanded you this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. In Deuteronomy 11, 26 and 27, uh, this is a prelude to what we're reading in Deuteronomy chapters 27 and 28. But chapter 11, 26 through 28, it says, Behold, I set before you today blessing and cursing. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and a curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. So it'd be easy, even for us, to fall into a trap of legalism, following the letter of the law, like the Pharisees and the religious rulers in Jesus' day. Many of them followed the letter of the law, but they truly did not have the law of God in their own hearts. And they missed the purpose of the law pointing them to Jesus they actually put the Lord Jesus to death Israel's problem is like ours no one is ever totally capable of keeping the law of God's they couldn't do it and neither can we that is why 
the Lord has made a way through Jesus Christ that we can walk in a relationship. We can use the Word of God. It's a good tool. As in Galatians 3, 24 through 25, it's the law, the tutor, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So there's, it's useful for us to this day, but it doesn't result in our salvation. Only faith in Christ does that for us. But those are the blessings. And now I'll follow the cursings. Verse 15, it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all the commandments and his statutes which I command you today that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So if they are not faithful to to keep the commandments of Yahweh to walk in his ways, then the opposite of the blessings would be uh, come upon them. So he said, verse 16, where he said you would be blessed in the city or in the country. Now he says, cursed you shall be in the city and cursed you shall be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Verse 18, cursed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. So no protection, no productivity, no fertility. Verse 19, cursed shall be you when you come in and cursed shall be you when you go out. No protection once again. So we have in verses 20 through 68, the remainder of this chapter. To me, it was like I wrote it down as the saga of Israel. It is like describing what took place in the nation of Israel throughout the course of history because ultimately they failed to do these things. In verses 20 through 24, we begin, it says, And the Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly. Because of the wickedness of your doing in which you have forsaken me, the Lord will make the plague cling to you until it has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. Your heavens, so here you had earlier God said, if you do these things, walk in my ways, the blessings will overtake you. And now they have, instead of blessings overtaking them, they have consumption fever, inflammation, severe burning fever, the sword or war, scorching, and mildew pursuing them until they perish. Verse 23 and 24, your heavens shall which are over your head shall be as bronze. The earth under your feet shall be as iron. The Lord will change your rain in your land to powder and to dust. From the heaven it shall come down to you until you are destroyed. So the disobedience, now they're going to be pursued because of their disobedience with consumption, fever, inflammation, burning fever, the sword, scorching, mildew, no protection, no health, no warfare, or no help in warfare. They're going to be pursued by their enemies until they are removed from the land. 
25 through 29, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways. Just as the enemies um, who came one way before them and fled seven ways, when Israel was blessed, now it would be Israel who go out one way and come and flee seven ways before the enemies. You shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. No one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, with the itch, from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. And you will grope at noonday, and as the blind man gropes in darkness, you shall not prosper in your way, you shall not but only be oppressed and plundered continually, and no one will save you. So God's painted a pretty dark picture of disobedience. And yet, the children of Israel did not heed the command of God. They fell in this area of disobedience, and these things would come upon them. In Deuteronomy 7.15, it says, The Lord will take away from you all sickness. This was the promise. And will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. But here there would be a reversal of that promise because of their disobedience. So earlier on, in Deuteronomy 20, verses 5 through 7, it talked about a man who had betrothed a wife, who had built a house, who had planted a vineyard and how he was to have like a year off in each of these situations just to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Now, Lily and I, I mean, we bought our first house way back in 1985 for a big, huge sum of $39,500 at 11 and a quarter percent interest. So the interest was really up there. We're not quite there yet, but it was big for us. But we were able to, but I didn't get a year off to celebrate our getting a new home. That would be sweet. Hey, boss, the Bible says I'm supposed to have a year off. We just bought a new home. Hey, boss, I just got married. Can I have a year off with pay? <laughs> But now the opposite, beginning in verse 30. You shall be betrothed to a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather its grapes. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away from before you. And it shall not be restored to you. Your sheep will be given into your enemies, and you shall have no one to rescue them. Verse 32, your sons and your daughters will be given to other people. Your eyes shall look and fail, longing after them all day long, and there shall be no strength in your hand. A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor, and you shall only be oppressed and crushed continually. Verse 34 and 35, so you shall be driven mad because of the slight Sight which your eyes see, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on your legs with boils which cannot heal, and the soles of your foot to the top of your head. From head to toe, you'll be in trouble. 
And then 37 and 30, 36 and 37, the Lord will bring you, the king whom you set over to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, a byword among the nations where the Lord drives you. Now the book of Judges, and we'll be getting into this as the Lord should tarry, probably sometime in the second half of uh, 2024. We got the book of Joshua coming up first. But in the book of Judges, we have the account of three to four hundred years of Israel's life in the promised land where we find seven cycles of sin where God would just keep going in these cycles. God would bless them. They would have victory over their enemies. Uh, They would uh, multiply and grow and then they would get lazy and they were not faithful to keep the word of God. God would bring their enemies upon them. This happened seven times. God delivered them with some 13 to 15 judges, depending on how you name the judges. But the key verses, and there's actually two, they say the very same thing in the book of Judges is this. It's Judges 17.6 and Judges 21.25. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And I'm afraid this is the same condition that describes our own nation today. For Israel... We know that these kings that came from a foreign land, initially the Assyrians took the northern kingdom into captivity in 722. The Babylonians came to the southern kingdom of Judah in 586 B.C. and took them into captivity. After the Babylonians, though they were free to return to the land, they were ruled over by the Medes and the Persians. They were followed by the Grecian Empire that was followed by the Roman Empire. And ultimately, Rome uh, scattered them throughout the nations of the world at that time. And they were not gathered back into the land until May 14, 1948, when Israel was declared a nation, a state again. So verse 38, You shall carry much seed out into the field, but gather in little. For the locusts will consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you will neither drink of the wine or gather the grapes. For the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall drop off. We had a plum tree two years ago that was doing great. I think I did it because we are like, how do we get rid of all the uh, bugs and the bites on the plants? So I'm out there spraying everything, and everything was going great. One week I was mowing the lawn, I look at the plum tree, it's like, we're going to have a lot of plums this year. And the next week it's like, where's all my plums? They just dropped off, and they were laying on the ground. And they did nothing this year. So two years in a row. No plums for the Pinnells. But um, this is what God is saying. They're having all these things. It gives you hope. The olives are growing. And then they suddenly prematurely drop off. You have no oil to anoint yourself with. Because the olives drop off. Verse 41, you'll forget sons and daughters. It's not that they didn't have children. 
but they shall not be yours. They shall go into captivity. Verse 42, the locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. Verse 43 and 44, the alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lead you, but you shall not lead him. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail. So a reversal again. God said, you walk in my laws, my covenants, do the things I ask you to do, then all the nations will come to you. You will be the head. They will be the tail. And now it reverses because of their disobedience. And they had here the infestation, the blight, the premature fruit dropping off. Even worse, their children that they had were taken into captivity. And they would no longer be the lenders of the world, but the head of top of the nations, but would be beneath the other nations, becoming borrowers and the tales of that of aliens ruling over them. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you, verse 45, and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments, his statutes, his, which he commanded you. And you shall be upon you for a sign, for a wonder, and on your descendants. So these things that came against them would become a sign and a wonder. And it was a testimony against them because, verse 47, you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. God wanted a joyful relationship with his people because they refused they didn't like the blessing, the abundance in everything. Verse 48, Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness, in need of everything, and he will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he destroys you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the ends of the earth, as swift as an eagle flies, a nation whose language you do not understand, a nation with a fierce countenance which does not respect the elderly, elderly or show favoritism to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock, the produce of your land, until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain, new wine or oil, the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flock until they have destroyed you. This is all because of their unfaithfulness. God said, you don't want to have joy and gladness of heart. You don't want to have my abundance overtake you. Then your enemies shall overtake you until you are destroyed. Ultimately, I went through this list before. Nations like Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medes, and Persians, Greece, and Rome would fiercely rule over them, disrespect their elders, disfavor their young until they were consumed. So much so, in 1886, Mark Twain visited Israel, and this is what he wrote about what he saw in 1886. Of all the lands there are for dismal scenery, I think Palestine must be the prince. Renowned Jerusalem itself, the stateliest name in history, has lost all its ancient grandeur. It has become a pauper's village. The riches of Solomon are no longer there to compel the um, admiration of visiting oriental queens. The wonderful temple, which was the pride and the glory of Israel, is gone. Palestine is desolate and unlovely. unlovely. And why should it be otherwise? Palestine is no more of this 
workday world, it is sacred to poetry and tradition. It is dreamland. He saw just a wasteland when he went to Israel. And they besiege you in your gates until, verse 52, until your high and fortified walls in which you trust came down through all your land. And they besiege you at your all your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. And you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your own sons and your daughters, of whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and the desperate straits that come in which your enemies shall distress you. The sensitive, the very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat, because he has nothing left in the siege, desperate straits, in which your enemies shall distress you at your gates. The tender, delicate woman among you, who would not venture to set a sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity, will refuse to her husband of her bosom, to her son, to her daughter, her placenta, which comes up between her feet and her children whom she bears. And she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates. So, it's going to be bad. This is described in the Assyrians when they besieged the city and somewhat with uh, the northern tribes of Israel before they went into captivity by the Assyrians in 622 B.C., but also with Babylon when they besieged Israel and, and ultimately went into captivity in 586 B.C. It would happen again to them. In 70 A.D., when they were besieged by the Romans, and Romans destroyed Jerusalem at that time. And then in 135 A.D., we often forget about this one, uh, Emperor Hadarin was so tired of the Jewish people at that time that he destroyed their genealogies. He removed them from the land of Israel and spread them out throughout his empire. And he changed the name of Judah and Galilee to that of Syria, Philistia, or Palestinia, or as we know it today, Palestine. So a little bit of the roots given to us of why even today we have the issue that's going on in Israel. So 58 through 68. We're going to get done. If you do not be careful to observe all these words of this law, which is written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, Yahweh Elohim, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt on which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law will the Lord God bring upon you until you are destroyed, and you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. It shall be that when the Lord your God rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. You shall be plucked up off the land 
which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all the people from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you or your fathers have known, wood and stone. Verse 65, among these nations you will find no rest, nor will the sole of your foot find a resting place, for the Lord your God will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear by day and night. You shall have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that evening was here. In the evening you shall say, Oh, that morning would come. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart, because of the sight of your eyes that they see. Verse 68, The Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships, by the way of which I said, You shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale by your enemies as male and female slaves. But no one will buy you. So God promised them blessings or cursings. For a while, they would receive the blessings of God, but ultimately, they would fall to the cursings that were promised them here in the Word of God. And Father, we thank you for your Word that you've given us tonight. Reading through these chapters, and it makes me think of a couple of things, Lord, of what's happening in Israel right now, Lord. They're in just dire straits right now. Their children have been, many, stripped away from them in the last month. And uh, horrific acts from other people coming into their land have been done to them. And there's war in Israel right now. We pray, Lord, for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray your hand would be with that people. But also for us, Lord, we have been a nation that have received much blessing from you through the years. But it seems, Lord, we are more like the Israel that deserved the cursing than the Israel that got the blessing. We seem, Lord, as a nation, as a whole, to be falling in the cursing category as Israel once did many years ago. So it seems we are going that direction today as a nation. So I pray, Lord, for your church to rise up, for revival to come upon us, that our land, Lord, would be like in the days of the book of Judges, that, Lord, if we are in one of those cycles of sin, Lord, bring us out, redeem your people, and let your grace shine upon us once again. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.